Uh oh. Welcome to another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work with your boy Tim Salau, Mr. Future of Work. And today's episode is going to include a special guest, someone that I have known for quite some time now. Tracy Wilk is gracing us with his presence on today's episode of Unleashing the Future of Unleashing the Future of Work. And I'm incredibly excited about this episode because Tracy is an executive coach with more than 30 years in leadership positions at some of the most innovative and influential tech and fintech companies in the world. Some that you may know, such as Visa, Google, and he's held roles in product management, marketing, finance, and venture investing. During his tenure at Google, he was fortunate to learn and applies Google's innovative people management practices, both in leading teams, as well as volunteering as a leadership guru for Google staff and executives all around the globe. Also, he was named Google's, he was named a great manager for Google's award, which is given to only fewer than 1% of all Google managers since the origin of the company. And today's episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, him and I are going to be discussing his journey into tech, how he got started, the habits that make up highly effective leaders, and what are the behaviors that hold great leaders back. And I think, especially in a time of crisis such as this, in which leadership is essential and important, this is going to be an amazing conversation. I'm so excited to have Tracy on as our guest for today. Tracy, welcome, man. Tim, it's a pleasure. I really appreciate the opportunity. (laughs) How are you? So far, so good. Yeah, It's a a beautiful morning here out in California. Yeah. Yeah. so let's show love to all of the people who are watching from all around the world. We usually have a global audience in the Unleashing the Future of Work community. So if you're watching, whether from, whether from Nigeria, Australia, or you're located, please show some love in the comments. Let's show you some love. So, so Tracy, you know, I would love for you to just talk a little bit about your background. How did you get started in the work that you do in tech? Well, actually, it's important to know out in the working world for 30 plus years. Yeah. First half of it was really in like financial services. Wow. Um, in a range of different roles, as you described, from sending out tons and tons of junk mail to get people to sign up for credit cards. Yeah. Uh, to, <laughs> uh, as you noted, uh, venture investing, as with the rise of the internet, I uh, got into venture investing at Visa and invested and made early investments in a range of companies. Yahoo, uh, a company, a small payments company called Cybersource that Visa ultimately bought. Wow. Um, and uh, with the rise of the internet, it became clear that where I live, I, I lived at least for the first 15 years of my career, about 15, 20 miles north of Silicon Valley yeah. until Silicon Valley rolled over me and rolled northward. Uh, it, instead of it being concentrated in like a five-mile radius, it expanded to probably a 70-mile radius. Wow. And it just rolled right past. And uh, when I was looking at the future of my own career, I realized that I uh, I felt like I may not be relevant for the future, as relevant wow. as I'd like to be. And I made a bridge where I jumped from financial services into fintech. Wow. So I was able to take some knowledge from my uh, past history and apply it to uh, fields that were just forming. And that was a great way to bridge into tech. And my ex- I, my expectation was that 
I was simply going to use that as a stepping stone to get into technology. Mm. And as it turned out, fintech blew up. Wow. And uh, where I, whereas before I thought that, let's say, financial services in the Bay Area was going to wither away, all of a sudden we're surrounded by PayPal and Square mm. and obviously Visa and uh, several other companies as well, which I'm spacing out on in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you really saw the trend that was coming in terms of fintech and you found an opportunity to bridge that gap. I did. Yeah. I got very lucky. I was in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And I I jumped on it. Uh, I actually took a big pay cut to jump on it. Yeah. Uh, but it was the best thing I could have possibly done uh, wow. to rejuvenate my career. So for those of you who have ever taken a pay cut, to hop into another industry, comment below. Shout out to Mindy and Barb who are tuning in from tech. So someone's tuning in from, Mindy's tuning in from BC, Canada, British Columbia, Tracy, which is amazing. Barbara's tuning in from California. Tehehasapi? I can't even pronounce that. It sounds so complicated. Ogona is tuning in. Oh, Tehakapi. Tehakapi. From a California native. Yeah, yeah. Ugona's tuning in and say, keep reaching and inspiring others, Tim. Shout out to Ugona. I appreciate you, man. And Grace is tuning in from Dallas, Texas. For those of you who are watching, please share to your networks, comment, mention me on LinkedIn, mention Tracy on LinkedIn, and show us some love on LinkedIn. Share it to the people who are going to need this episode and want to watch later on. So, you know, Tracy, I think it's 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 amazing how you were able to kind of pivot and kind of see the trends that were going on and come into the fintech, but you also had a pretty illustrious career with Google. I would love for you to talk a little bit about that and some of the work you were doing with Google at the time. Well, uh, so I was at Google for 15, 16, 17, actually, (laughs) I don't know where I came up with that. I was at Google for 13 years. I was in tech for about 20. Wow. Um, And as I said, uh, you know, that that expertise that I developed in financial services Mm. I was able to, I, I became a subject matter expert. Mm. And as it turns out, Google needed a subject matter expert, <laughs> which was a wonderful and very, very lucky thing. And, you know, I think people have a tendency to bounce around in their mm. careers and not necessarily develop any particular expertise. Mm. And, uh, and I have found that developing a particular expertise in an area where there are not that many experts yeah. can be can you know allow you to take a step into you know great companies like Google where you know I don't need to compete with mm. all of the incredibly brilliant people. I wasn't that brilliant, but I knew a lot more about them in this particular area that Google really needed. Yeah. Are, you, are, you, are you are you talking about leadership? Am I talking about leadership? I don't know that I'm talking about leadership. I'm talking about <laughs> Not really, no. I'm really talking about thinking about your career path. Mm. And how do you continue to stay relevant on an ongoing basis? Mm. How do you have a career where you're increasingly adding value and you're increasingly, let's say, climbing the career ladder if that's important to you, or at minimum, um, staying uh, uh, current and important? Mm. And it's by... Ideally, having some unique value that you can contribute that makes you different than everybody else. Mm. I think a lot of people get very intimidated about thinking that, gee, 
you know, when I, if I join, if I want to join a, a Google or an Amazon or a Facebook or a Microsoft or those kinds of places, they, you know, they need to have graduated from Yale or they need to mm. have a, you know, high SAT scores or whatever the heck it is. Yeah. <laughs> but if you uh, happen to know some specialized skill mm. that, uh, that those companies need, and there's lots of them, uh, you don't have to compete against uh, all of those other people on the basis of mm. brilliance. Yeah, yeah. No, Tracy, that's so powerful because I think often people don't realize the value in building. You can have a general base of knowledge, but also you need a core skill set range, right? Whether it be this requirement for you to know AI or machine learning, because that's one of Google's really huge focuses, but it's a lot of tech companies real real um, focus area right now. And I think we often go to school and realize that, you know, I know all of these things, but when you come out and have to enter the workforce, you don't really have a, a skill set. And then you're, you're moving towards your, a career path where you don't necessarily know anything, you know everything, but you don't know where you're uniquely positioned for success. So I think you have a great point there. I think the other point that I want to make is mm. you don't have to know you don't have to know tech to work at tech companies. Mm, you know, talk to me about that. I love that. What, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, you don't need to have a deep knowledge of AI or ML, you know, for, mm. you know, I don't know what the ratio of engineers to non-engineers is at, you know, the major tech companies, but my guess is that, I don't know, maybe it's 50, 50. Yeah. Which means, you know, let's say at Google, there's a hundred thousand people that work at Google. <laughs> 50,000 people who who are not engineers. Mm. I just want to open this discussion up and make people feel like if they want to be in the tech industry, which I actually really recommend is a, a, a great thing to do, even if yeah. you're not an engineer, you don't necessarily have to have a technical background. You mm. do need to have some comfort with technology and some curiosity about mm. it and some ability to uh, leverage technology uh, but you don't need to be an engineer. And I just, I think that's an important point to keep out there. No, that's a poignant point, you know, because I, it's something that I'm always encouraging people to realize. Yes, there are these technical skills that can lead you to getting a great tech job, but I actually think it's the human skills, the life skills that are actually more essential when it comes to working in a tech company. And even when I was working with Microsoft, I realized what made me a great product manager, a great product leader was my ability to communicate and build relationships. Yeah. So, you know, I want I want I want to so I want to shout out our lovely community right now. Rihanna is saying hi from Dallas, Texas. And Mindy is saying, were you ever scared that you might pigeonhole yourself? I mean, in hindsight, it worked out well for you, Tracy. But for someone starting out, becoming a subject matter expert might limit your opportunities. What are your thoughts on that, Tracy? You know, I think that's a really good point. Uh, yeah. and, I, and I think that it's important to consider uh, what you are, uh, where you're developing deep expertise. Yeah. And continually monitor whether that is expertise that is likely to become obsolete. Yeah. Or it's likely to be, be uh, broadly needed on an ongoing basis. So I'll give you a couple of different examples just to, just to make that point clearer. Uh, without boring you in too much great detail, my expertise <laughs> was electronic payments. Mm. And 
every company from now until the end of time is going to want to know how they can collect their money. Uh, so the where I was developing expertise was not something it's not something that's going to go out of business. Mm. Um, there were roles that I've held at companies where the skills I was developing were relevant really to only that company. Wow. And that, in my view, is a horrible place to be. Mm. And I really encourage people who are listening to think about, are they developing skills that are broadly needed or very narrowly mm. needed? Are they building skills that are going to keep them relevant and allow them to have, are they developing more option value for their future? Or are they really limiting their option value? Um, so uh, I think to get back to the question, you have to constantly be looking on the horizon. You have mm. to be looking for uh, signals that suggest that your area of expertise is, is, is growing or it's declining. And if it's <sighs> declining, you have to figure out whether you're going to, whether you're going to be one of those last holdouts that's going to yeah. be needed for a long, long time. But probably if it's declining, better to jump ship early on mm. and find the next thing. Mm. You're talking about the value of adapting and being able to sense, am I building skills that are relevant just beyond my organization? You know, one of the things that I'm, I'm so adamant about with um, our company guide is the fact that I want people working with us within our company to also be able to building skills, but also a perspective, a brand that goes beyond our company. I think now for, for so many organizations, it's all about, you know, how do we keep people for 20 years, right? That's really how most of most traditional organizations have thought about, you know, employee experience for so long. But now even with what's happening with COVID-19, we're realizing that organizations need to cater to the people that are working with them. And think about how do you help them build skills beyond your organization? Because it's not just a matter of keeping them there for 30 plus years or 20 plus years. One, that, that generation of, of work is gone. It's a matter of one, catering to their needs, building their skill set and ensuring that they're happy. So, you know, when, when you say that, you know, Tracy, I, I think it's so paramount for our audience and our community to one, write that down <laughs> because this is the new norm that we're living in. And you got some thoughts on that, Tracy? No, I, I completely agree with you that the world has turned that way where previously yeah. I think companies really uh, treated their employees much more like commodities mm. um, as a, and they're there uh, and ideally they keep them there as long as they can and they, they hope that they don't have bigger ideas and want to go on mm. somewhere else. Uh, I may be in a bubble here, and I think I, I certainly am in a, a bit of a bubble in California, so you should take what I have to say with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, but there is much more of a focus uh, on people as an asset and an understanding mm. that people are going to have longer care careers. And if you want them to stay at your company, you need to develop them or they're mm. going to find other places to go. Um, I, as a coach, I really, when I work with my own clients, I really uh, ask them to consider not only what do they care about over the course of the, our coaching engagement, but ask them to consider well, mm. where do they want to be in three years or where do wow. they want to be in seven years and how can they be doing something now to take a step toward that mm. rather than let their lives and their careers be 
led down just a path of least resistance. Mm. Hey, you know what? I had this job and I got kind of bored and my friend called and they have a brand new job and I'm not sure what it's all about, but it's different than this job and that's good enough. (laughs) Uh, Or some recruiter calls me up and, well, that's flattering as a recruiter Mm. wants me and it's different. So I'll take it. Mm. I think it's just much more, it's really important to not let your career be one that's just the path of least resistance. Mm, I love that, Tracy. So Mindy's saying thank you. Great perspective and incredibly insightful, Tracy. So shout out to you for your amazing comments. Barb is talking about how she actually had a student who was a former student that she worked with, and he worked with a billion-dollar annual fintech, $3.5 billion annual fintech company, and she's far removed from AR finances, and she's actually working in the paralegal and in-house counsel space. So what Barb just mentioned is that there is no recession in law. Everyone always needs legal counsel and a lawyer. That is very true, Barb. In fact, I'm looking for one right now <laughs> for our business. And guy, let me a great legal form. So Daniel is saying, this is a great discussion, gentlemen. Thank you so much for all of your insights. Thank you, Daniel. Mr. Supply Chain, you are awesome, my friend. So Delano, Mr. Brown, who is a Microsoft brand ambassador, he says, I got a friend who works for Microsoft and has no ideas about technology or even their latest technologies. Guess what? It's requested for his job, which is really interesting. That's very interesting. Hmm. So, so let me ask you something, Tracy. Yeah. You know, uh, you know let, let's talk a little bit about leadership here, right? You know, one of the things I love about you is that you're an amazing leadership guru. In fact, Tracy constantly shares amazing leadership advice for some of the people that he works with and has formerly worked with on Google, on LinkedIn. So make sure to check out his LinkedIn profile, Tracy Wilk. So, you know, what do you think are a few of the habits that make up for highly effective leaders? Um, well, and so let me say, by the way, that I'll, I'll share my thoughts. And yeah. as you just suggested, I uh, a number of these thoughts are from a whole bunch of people that I have interviewed. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't want to claim them all for myself, but I've done my own curation, something like you. <laughs> um, so I, we've touched on some of them. And one of them, which you just really called out, is uh, very adaptable thinking. Mm. Uh, I should say very adaptable thinking, very adaptable emotions, Mm. very adaptable behavior. Mm. So adaptable thinking is, uh, is not being wedded to uh, a particular, let's say technology, Mm. Uh, not being wedded to a particular strategy, not being wedded to a particular uh, view of the world, but being able to look at the horizon and being able to look at data, being open and willing to change your opinion when there's enough information there to warrant that, uh, and having the ability to uh, pivot mm. uh, from a thinking perspective, um, being open-minded. Um, I think, and related to that is being curious. Mm. Uh, being, and I, this is where I see a lot of people get tripped up. And to be honest, I got tripped up. Uh, uh, being interested in areas beyond your own, wow. understanding how those other areas, uh, both trying to learn a bit about those other areas, because if you want to move up in an organization, you need to know more than you know yeah. uh, in your own uh, field of interest. Yeah. Uh, more and more, there's lots of interconnectivity between mm-hmm. all of the different areas in a really automated fashion. So historically, 
you might have been able to be much more of a silo. Mm. You can't be a silo as much anymore. Uh, you really have to be more of a uh, a Renaissance person and mm. know a bit about a lot. So, as I say, uh, part of it is being flexible in thinking. Part of it is being flexible in emotions wow. and understand and being able to understand your own emotions and how they're guiding your behaviors, being able to manage them effectively, mm -hmm. being able to tune into other people's emotions and understand how you are impacting them. Mm. Um, and ideally not letting your emotions, understanding them, but not letting them rule you. Mm. Um, and so let's say with this COVID situation, uh, with this COVID situation, there's um, people are going to have to make some really difficult decisions yeah. and there's going to be lots of emotions involved. And ideally if emotions are taken into consideration, but not don't dominate the decision. Mm. Uh, wrap it up uh, on flexibility and behavior is being able to find the silver lining, being mm. able to be optimistic, but realistic. Uh, and being able to project that out. Um, so those are some of the traits of um, really successful leaders, at least one category. Um, uh, really being self-aware. Yeah, yeah. Understanding how, as I mentioned, uh, how I influence you. Understanding mm. what motivates my me and what triggers me. Mm. Um, and as you mentioned before, understanding you know, people and, and being able to connect with people and understanding what motivates them and things like that. So that's a small collection. Yeah, no, I, and I love it. You, you know, adaptable thinking, being able to have adaptable emotions, right? But also, you know, you mentioned this, this notion of curiosity. know great leaders are incredibly curious and i would love for our amazing community mention you know if you've ever worked with a great leader what were they like right what did they do that was incredibly special that made them great was it they were curious were they adaptable you know did you know did they were they able to empathize with you but also other people make sure you comment below so we can get your thoughts but yeah i mean tracy i think you know what one thing that i love about the work that you do and are often sharing is that you are often sharing the lessons that many experienced leaders have had, which I think a lot of people take for granted, right? As they're going to leadership in terms of finding and seeking that mentorship. And, you know, I would love for you to kind of open up a little bit for you as an executive coach, you know, what are the skills that you're often having to utilizing when you're working with executive leaders? Hmm. That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, well, as you might imagine, uh, and I don't know that these are unique with, I mean, what are, what are the, the uh, skills that you need as a coach? Mm. Whether you're a coach as a profession, or let's mm. say you're a leader and you're trying to coach your team. Yeah. Um, my skills that are most relevant, uh, uh, really good listening skills. Yeah. Uh, ideally, uh, not telling, but uh, helping people to solve things for themselves. Mm. Uh, in the ideal world, um, my job as a coach, and I think most leaders' jobs, is to help people develop their own capacity. And you can only help them develop their own mm. capacity by 
being able to ask them powerful questions and having them reflect um, really fully and completely, try and help them build their own self-awareness. Mm. Um, a key uh, aspect of being a coach is being an accountability partner. Yeah. Saying, yeah. hey, you know what? You, this is great. You arrived at this direction that you want to head on your own. Mm. Uh, we together walked through some some actions that you might take, some plans that you might pursue. All right. Now, my job as a coach or leader's job mm. is to act as an accountability partner and say, hey, you know what? You said that you're going to do this. Mm. Uh, so part of it is being a nag. Part of it is being a cheerleader. Part of it is helping people yeah. keep people focused. Yeah, yeah. Part of it is being a fellow problem solver and saying, hey, you know, well, that that worked. That's great. Oh, that didn't work. Oh, what, what might we do? Uh, oh, what were your what were the key realizations that you had? Mm. Um, so anyway, those are some of the uh, skills or attempted skills that I bring to the table. <laughs> I love that, Jason. Mm-hmm. I love that. So Bettis is ma- mentioning, shout out to Bettis. They were super empathetic. That's one of the traits that he's seen in an amazing leader that he's worked mm-hmm. with in the past. Rotimi is saying, and he, he's mentioning this to Barb, is that, I love what you're saying about some of the leaders that you've worked with in the past. So shout out to our amazing community chit-chatting in our comments below. Mindy is talking about empowering and believed in your ability as an employee is what one of the leaders in that she's worked in the past has made him or her really special. They were authentic to themselves and had a high sense of integrity, which is awesome. You know, I, I think in, integrity is something that often is missing in leaders, right? Being able to hold still to your values and do what you say that you're going to do and follow through with it, which is incredibly important. So shout out to Mindy for mentioning that. You know, Barb is talking about, you know, great leaders make you feel like you're an asset, not a cog in the wheel, right? So they develop that state of mind in everyone that they work with and in the culture's of the organizations that they lead. That is an awesome mention. You know, if you all have any other thoughts and, you know, points on the great leaders that you've worked with, make sure you mention it in the comments. So, you know, Tracy, we've talked about some of the things that make really highly effective leaders, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Being able to listen, having a curiosity-based mindset, but also being able to be adaptive when it comes to decision-making. You know, I would love to kind of get your thoughts on what do you think are the behaviors that are holding leaders back that you've witnessed in your work or in your past experiences? Sure. Yeah. I, mean, I can, I can speak to behaviors that held me back. Mm, talk to uh, me about that. Sure. I can talk to, um, and I obviously uh, speak to behaviors that I see in a number of my clients. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that held me back is one of the things that I referenced earlier, not being curious enough, not being curious enough mm-hmm. about all the, all the areas around me. I was really very much focused on my own functional area and didn't express enough curiosity about all the other areas around me. And to be honest, uh, for some period of my career, that limited my options. Mm. I was seen as this particular person, and that's what I did, and that's what I knew. And that's where I developed my relationships. So it wasn't just subject matter expertise. Mm. It was relationships as well. So those are a couple of behaviors that held me back. Uh, Another example of something that held me back, and I think uh, something to really think about. If you're a leader, uh, you have to learn how to delegate. 
Mm. And there's ways to delegate and delegate effectively and things like that. But there's uh, a chance, there's a possibility of getting stuck in the mushy middle mm. where you delegate, uh, you delegate so much that your relevance to your own team isn't that, that great anymore. Yeah. And you haven't necessarily looked up and looked broadly to see where you can contribute, where you can take that extra time and energy mm. and learning capacity. Mm. Uh, and I guess that leads to the next point, which I think is a really important one, is people, uh, I think people that fall short as leaders often don't spend enough time considering how can I, how can I now contribute more broadly in this organization? Wow. How can I look up? How can I look to the sides? How can I uh, expand uh, my learnings mm. and my impact, uh, my opportunities, um, my relationships? Mm. Uh, so that's where I see uh, leaders falling short. Wow. Um, uh, I find. I see a number of leaders who've gotten to pretty senior levels yeah. uh, by being completely driven yeah. and by uh, accomplishing things uh, by whatever means is necessary. Yeah. Uh, and they get to a point where they don't go any farther because the way they got where they got is by in, sometimes burning bridges. Mm. Uh, not not caring about relationships, mm. not realizing that these relationships that you've burned for the last 10 years were going to be the relationships that ideally you could rely upon mm. for the next 20 years. Wow. Um, so those are some examples where yeah. I see uh, people falling short. Uh, another area is, is just not thinking ahead. Mm. Um, just not giving thought to uh, the future for their organization, the future for themselves, um, uh, continually expanding their learning so that they so they have something to move on to and to bring their team along for. Yeah, um, you know, one of the value, one of the virtues that you know that that we've established and are, are truly practicing in God is this whole notion of being ruthlessly curious. And mm -hmm. one of the things that you know I love about what you're saying, Tracy, is the fact that you know this one, this messy, this notion of this messy middle, right? Not being able to uh, still be able to learn with your team while being able to create a framework for them to do their best work. But in addition to that, I think what's so powerful about what you're saying is the value of relationships. Right. Oh, I no think doubt. that, you know, it's 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 mind boggling how many people don't invest in relationships and realize the, the, the fact that community is key. Right. No matter what you're doing and you don't want to be the type of person that's burning bridges. And, you know, I, I really love for you to be kind of being getting vulnerable and sharing, you know, the, the value and power in that, because I think those are some leadership lessons that our community, as well as even I should be mindful of. Oh, yeah. No, I think something that people and maybe earlier in their career. Don't appreciate as much because they can't. Yeah, is that uh, relationships that you build uh, uh, either last a lifetime or they don't, but they yeah. can. I mean, I would say every job that I've got after my first job 
I got through a relationship that wow. I formed. Every wow. job that I got, including the job that I got at Google, um, they were all through, well, Gene, uh, these people knew me and moved over there and, and recommended that the recruiter call me up. Gee, I work for this, their boss at this company and she hired me at Visa. Gee, uh, I uh, developed, anyway, they were all through relationships. Mm. So uh, I have relationships. I still see people that I work with 30 years ago in my wow. second job. So really important to understand that mm. those relationships can be tremendously beneficial throughout your career if you mm. don't burn bridges. Mm. You know, what does our love community have to say about this, right? The value of relationships. You know, Barb is saying that reinventing yourself is a lifelong ordeal. I believe in that, Barb. Shout out to you. I am loving your energy. Miata is saying, I love leaders that are not afraid to ask critical questions that engage your thinking and allows you to contribute to the company's vision, even if they already have answers. This shows they are open to collaborating without feeling threatened and they want to build your full potential up. You know what, Miata? I love that. I love that. That is so good. Iana is saying amazing leaders and great executive coaches have the ability to inspire, motivate, and encourage people to move forward in spite of any self-limiting beliefs. They can help people to see and envision themselves as successful in achieving their goals, actualizing their spirit of resiliency, and removing doubt and limitations. Iana, I think you need to write a book. That is so well, well said. Yeah, I think you need to be interviewing these people. Right? Yeah. I think Tracy, you need to flip it around and have yeah. like this massive... Zoom interview. Tracy, what are your thoughts? I, I, I'm, I'm loving all of the feedback from Amazing Unleashing the Future of Work community. And with that said, please share this episode with your networks if you're loving what Tracy is saying. What, do you what are your thoughts on some of these comments, Tracy? My, my thoughts are they're wasting <laughs> their time listening to me. They already know the answers. <laughs> so Tracy's like, you guys are incredibly smart. His job is done. Yeah. Well, but no, I think, you know, when we're on this topic of, you know, what is holding leaders back? You're absolutely right, Tracy. And our audience is right, too, is that it's often the, the leaders that aren't investing in relationships and aren't curious and thinking about how can I support versus just take from my team who are who are who are those are the behaviors of ineffective leaders. And, you know, I think one of the things that I've always really been adamant about similar to you, you know, right now is that how do I remain curious? And more importantly, how can I be of service, right, to others and people? You know, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? You know, building that service mindset, mindset within, uh, within yourself as a leader. Yeah. You know, it's a good question. Uh, so I'm, I'm gonna, let me, I'll comment on that, and then maybe I'll make a counterintuitive point yeah, 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 as yeah. well. Um, you know, I think that I didn't realize the satisfaction mm -hmm of being a servant leader uh, until uh, I actually managed a team, until wow. I had, uh, and once I ex experienced the, the joy of accomplishing something greater than myself mm. by, by the ability to pull people together uh, who are smart and who are mm. excited, who are motivated, who enjoy each other's company, who yeah. see a common vision, uh, uh, that is just tremendously mm. uh, satisfying yeah. and inspirational to say, hey, how can I pull these people together with a, 
how can I ensure they're on the same page? How can I give them something mm-hmm. that they're all excited about and they could feel that they, um, they they could feel that they're uh, developing skills that they care about and that they're part of? Yeah. Um, I think in part it's it's something that you sort of have to experience to really appreciate. I'm sure mm-hmm. that there are people that sh- that are on this stream who've been on any kind of team. They mm-hmm. they feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so connections and relationship, whether you're a manager or, you know, I, I would argue that the people on the team, you know, they have something very much to contribute as well. You know, it is, I would argue uh, that uh, people on the team can uh, uh, help their management and help mm-hmm. lace, raise the spirit of the team as much as the manager can. And to the degree that they can think about, well, what can I contribute to this team? I'm mm. not just, I'm not a cog in the wheel. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't want to be treated as a cog in the wheel, yeah. but that's, but it requires, it's a two way street. Mm. So not only uh, what do you expect your manager to do to develop you, but what are you going to do to give back to raise the spirits of the organization? What are you going to give mm. back to help contribute something to the organization that you feel is not there yet, but you know, would be appreciated. I really yeah. encourage people to say, you know what? It's just not just a me, as you just said, it's not just a me taking thing mm-hmm. or and not just a me observing is this leader, he or she, yeah. uh, considering me enough, but what yeah. am I doing to consider them? What am I yeah. doing to consider my teammates? It's, it's reciprocal. It's, it is absolutely reciprocal in multiple directions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And really, it makes for a much more satisfying environment if we really feel like, you know, we're all in this together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I really want people to think about that. But yeah. here's the counterintuitive point that I want to make as well, which is I think one of the areas where I see leaders having the greatest strength yeah. is their ability to really engage with their team and their ability to, as they say, set direction and have set a culture and really have a sense of unity. Mm. But the, see, the same, uh, that's also an area where I see leaders fall. Wow. Why? Why is that? And by that, I mean that leaders can be, become so focused on the needs of their own team mm. and satisfying the desires of their own team and being liked by uh, their own team that they can become, I think, blinded to the needs of the broader organization. Wow. That, hey, you know what? Maybe I, maybe the broader organization needs these resources more than I do. Wow. Maybe the broader organization, maybe I really need to open my mind to uh, the, uh, the vision of the broader organization. Mm. Uh, so finding that balance between, am I serving my team well? But wait a minute, we're all here for the broader goal. We are that's why we're all here. We're not here to just be this little team. We're here to satisfy the needs of the our overall organization. Hmm. And so not being so consumed by, am I helping my team? I'm not sure if I care about anybody else. Yeah. Uh that's something that I've definitely seen leaders fail at. And that's and, how you and that's how you start getting silos, right? That is how you start getting silos, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, everybody's uh, out for themselves and their own team and not keeping, you know, the, the bigger picture that's really better for everybody. 
yeah. in mind. Yeah. Oh I my think God, Tracy. I love this. I love this because now what we're talking about is it's really, you know, I'm my background. I was I'm a, I'm a trained designer, right? And now we're really getting into org design, right? Creating a mentality and a mindset within your organization in which leaders are of service, but they also understand the value of sharing a mate, the, the, uh, one treating your people as an asset, but understanding that you know if your people want to grow and, and make lateral shifts into a different division or they have plans beyond your organization, let them be, right? Create that abundance and create that path for them to move, whether it be parallel or up, right? And I think you see a lot of, in a lot of organizations, the leadership is often with the mindset of, you're just going to stay in your role because I'm scared and I'm insecure to elevate you or one, encourage you to go a different way. I, I completely agree. But I think there was, the bigger point there is you as a leader can't be entirely consumed by, oh, I want to develop all of my staff. I want my staff to be happy. I want to give my staff all the resources. You can't be consumed by satisfying all of the needs of your employees mm-hmm. and thinking that that is enough. And that's right. And that's what makes an effective leader. Mm-hmm. I think, um, and I think that a lot of the discussion, including discussion here, is Oh, if we are only satisfying all of the needs of our employees, yeah. that will make us great leaders. Yeah. And wow. I would argue that it, it, it won't. It won't. Wow. I love that. I love that, Tracy. So Barb is saying you have to be able to see the forest from the trees, is what she's saying. And you know, wrote to me saying Tracy and Tim are totally on point. Thank you. Thank you, wrote to me. We appreciate you for tuning in. Wrote to me saying leadership is not a one-person sport, it's about a team effort. Shout out to Road to Me. Thank you so much for that comment. You know, Oshin is saying, I love this episode. You all are amazing. And Barb is so engaged. Barb, we love you. We love your support and, and comments. Serve, serve, serve should be the mindset, but don't only serve your team, serve the broader organization as well with your team. So shout out to exactly Barb. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So leaders not afraid to ask. Oh, we already mentioned this. <laughs> Shout out to Viata. Edward is talking about. I can relate. Why burn bridges when your most time spent are between colleagues? Colleagues, be wise and build intentional and reciprocal relationships. Tracy, man, people are loving your content and are feeding off your energy. You know. So with that said, Tracy, you know, I would love. What are some of your final words for amazing unleashing the future of work community and how they can be courageous? And one, service-oriented leaders. Oh, I'm supposed to say something really powerful and pithy right now. (laughs) That's going to take me like until tomorrow to think about. Do me a favor, like fill some time while I think about it. Just (laughs) say something clever or, you know. uh, Say what's uh, on your heart. (laughs) uh, Gosh, you know, what's on my heart is, is... uh, try your best, be mm. curious, be thoughtful about building relationships. Think really important. Think really uh, uh, on an ongoing basis about mm. whether the whether you're on the path of least resistance or you're thinking you're you're making yourself uh, continue to be relevant. You're thinking about your uh, a long term career. Mm. Uh, you are being open mm. to. I think one of the things that somebody pointed out to me is they they watch jobs change over the course of the last like twenty mm. years, mm. Um, and that people are increasingly being asked to be 
uh, as I mentioned before, uh, Renaissance people. They know a little bit a lot and they know how to connect things together. Being a deep domain expert and knowing only one thing uh, but really well isn't going to serve you that well. Being yeah. curious about all the connections is the, is the most important thing. Um, looking down and caring, but not exclusively. I, I think that uh, being making sure that you can contribute in all directions, yeah. not focusing your direction entirely down as a leader and not, uh, just repeating what we were talking about before, and not simply expecting it to be a, a one-way street where it all comes back to comes to you and mm. I should expect development. Uh, and if I don't get it, I should go somewhere else. Mm. How are you developing everyone around you? How are you contributing? I don't know. Mm. That's sort of the, the summary buffet. Yeah. Tracy, we love that. Shout out to Tracy. I think Barb, Barb has loved this episode and has loved hearing your thoughts. You know, and for her, the bottom line is productivity overarches them all. But re in reality, it's a matter of how do you serve? And as to your point, how do you become that renaissance woman or man and remaining curious and being able to lead your team throughout your career, throughout your career, throughout your career? Tracy, man, it has been a truly an honor to have you on the Leashing the Future of Work community. For those of you who love Tracy, make sure you follow him on LinkedIn. And also, where can the people find you as well, Tracy? Uh, well, just I want to say, by the way, I wrote a couple of articles on the future of work uh, yeah! that were that was based on interviews with about eighty five very senior people at Google. So if you go on to LinkedIn, it's a couple of articles specifically on that topic. Uh, and uh, LinkedIn is my primary forum, so that's where you can find me. Oh, I should say that, yeah, but I do teach online classes. I teach at Stanford. I appreciate the opportunity to point uh, point those both out. <laughs> so, uh, and I typically announce when those classes are coming up. The current class that I'm teaching is actually called Fundamentals of High Performance Leadership. And we touch on things like delegation and coaching and uh, navigating through change and navigating through crises and things like that. Love it. Love it. So make sure to check out Tracy's online courses as well as his LinkedIn. And he also has an awesome website for you to read through about his background and some of the services that he offers. Tracy and to our amazing Leashing the Future of Work community, thank y'all so much for making this episode special. If you're interested in being another on another episode in the future of the Unleashing the Future of Work podcast, which is a guide podcast, by the way, make sure you check out utfow.com utfow.com to become a guest or even sponsor another episode with that said thank y'all so much for tuning in utfow community and thank you tracy for blessing us with your thoughtful gems Absolutely. peace out My pleasure. <laughs>